So, church, I want to encourage you to connect, to connect with others that are around you, to connect in the church with those that are your brothers and sisters here. And as we look around, it's one of those things that God has called us to. I, I preached a message back a while ago, and I continue to remind you, and will continue to remind you, that there are many, many commands that God has given us in Scripture that you cannot fulfill without one another. Just do a biblical concordance search for one another and find out how important that is to God. And so doing life together is extremely important if we're going to be able to fulfill the commission that God has given us in this area to see God let loose to really bring people unto salvation. It's through you and making yourself a part of the church, not just attending a church. This isn't a club. It's a family. And so if we're going to do life together, then you have to make the decision. And I hope and pray that you will. We're going to continue to talk about that. Amen. Well, let me just, again, without uh, any other fanfare, we've talked a little bit about it. I want to invite my friend, uh, Pastor Dario Parrish, to come on up, and he's going to minister God's word to us today. Amen? It has been uh, an incredible joy, privilege, uh, and this is not uh, saying it uh, just to be able to tickle your ears, but uh, really a privilege to be able to be here this weekend. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm not saying this in a, in a proudful way, but uh, hardly never do I give a church three days. I usually just give a church a service. Uh, but uh, God uh, stirred my heart when we were able to, to chat with Pastor Mark, and uh, uh, I really am excited about what God has done and uh, the incredible privilege to be able to be among you this weekend and enjoy just the fellowship of three days together with people. And so that has been wonderful for me, a blessing. You have been a blessing to me. And so uh, let's um, open up our, our Bibles in the book of James, chapter 3, verse 5. Uh, James 3, verse 5 um, James, uh, the writer of that book that follows its name, is a uh, very different type of person. Uh, James, according to sto the story or the, according to history, was Jesus' half-brother. And um, the pastor of uh, the Jerusalem church. But he was not a, um, a very... Um, uh, Today, it was mentioned just a few minutes ago how sometimes we have, we're so heavenly minded, no earthly good. And uh, I, I find James to be the, probably the most practical of all the writers. The most practical because he says, show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. There has to be a practicality to our spirituality. There has to be something that we can... Uh, really be rooted and grounded in, in, on this earth. Everything that we do here has to have some practical side of it. If it's not, it's just knowledge. If it's not, there, there's, there's no meaning to it. And so James writes uh, some very interesting things that sometimes seem that they're out of place or they seem to not fit within the sphere of all the rest of the scriptures because he is so down to earth and really penetrates so deeply into 
what the scriptures are trying to talk to us or trying to talk, uh, say to us. Then he starts here in verse 5 saying, So also, the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts great things. See how a great forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. The very world of iniquity. The tongue is set amongst our members as that which defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of life and is set on fire by hell. I mean, I don't find it easy to swallow these two verses. They're probably one of the most difficult things to be able to really uh, uh, accept in our own life because it's talking about the reality that something so small and yet has such a great impact in our own life. And James himself says, if you're able to govern your tongue, then you're able to govern every, every, every other aspect of your life. Not just in the natural sense of, of, of the analogy, but the reality that as we are learning to conquer every area of our life, everything else is being weakened. Because they're all intertwined. In such a way that whatever is challenging, really challenging your life, and you're able to take a hold and conquer that area of your life, everything else is already being weakened because they're, they're all intertwined in our own personal life. And so we're gaining victory every step of the way. And every step, every victory is a lot easier to take in our own lives. But, but here, there, there's some really interesting things uh, that it talks about our tongue. Because uh, there's some of us that are probably brilliant uh, people intellectually. But our tongue gets ahead of ourselves. We, we speak without thinking, and we don't think before we speak. And, and, and that's, the nat that's a natural issue that many of us have. And in and, uh, and, and paraphrasing one of the scriptures of the Bible, it, it clearly says, if you close your mouth, you can stand amongst the wise. <laughs> Shut your mouth, and you can stand amongst the wise. But sometimes when we open our mouth, we, we, we sound foolish. And, and the, the, the reality of what, what here James is talking to us is, is, is something very interesting because he makes four comparisons that I think are very, very important for us to realize here. They're, they've got an incredible deep meaning. Because it's talking about the impact that our tongue has, not just in our life, but it has on everyone that is around us. Because uh, everyone that is at our distance of, of our, the sound of our mouth, or of, of our tongue, of our voice, does get impacted by what we say. For good or for evil. For... for, for for blessing or for curses, whatever, whatever uh, side of the, the, the coin you want to speak from, the reality is everybody around us does have the impact of our, of our words. And so let's look at a couple things that, that it mentions here in, in verse 5 and 6. It says, the first thing it says, that it defiles or it contaminates the whole body. This is one of the greatest contradictions that we find 
And when I use that word contradiction, it's not talking that the Bible is contradicting itself. It's contradicting the way we think. Okay? It's one of the greatest contradictions because Jesus talked about the fact that it's not what comes into our body, what we put into our body that contaminates our body. It's what comes out of our body that it contaminates us ourselves. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so what, what's in our heart, what's in our motivations, what's in our intention usually comes through our mouth. And sometimes we, we, we speak sarcastically or we speak um, indirectly or we, we tell jokes, but we're really telling the truth because we don't want to confront the reality of what we're feeling. But what, what James says here is that it contaminates the whole body. Now, let me ask you, logically speaking here, what type of contamination is it talking about? Because it's not contaminating us for viruses and bacteria. What contamination is talking about? There's a spiritual contamination because, because the, the words, you, you, I hope you realize, and this is one of the things that I would like for you to take with you this morning, is our words have a spiritual power to them. There is a spiritual connotation. There's a spiritual side to our words. And so if there is a contamination, there is a spiritual con contamination in our life. Because sometimes what we, what we declare, for example, negativity, depression, anger, bother, we, we, we speak out of hate. Uh, in Spanish, we call it, we're speaking out of our liver. And, and, and in reality, it does create spiritual contamination. And we'll talk about that in, in a few minutes. But it's important for you to be able to see how James really uh, sets, sets the, the groundwork for us to understand it. The second thing that it tells us there, it is uh, another contradiction. It says, it is set on fire by hell itself. I am, this is not Dario speaking. This is the word of God. And you look at you look at yourself in the mirror, and and probably you the you're the prettiest person in this world. You are well dressed, well bathed, well combed. You are you're you're a sign of perfect health, but your tongue has the power to be used by what hell itself. That if it's not governed by God, hell has access to it and, and you would say well where's the, the that that place where is where is that well we got to realize what is the way that we manipulate people what's the way that we try to control people do we use our mind or do we use our tongue hmm? sometimes our kids they want something out of us so they come up to us and say oh daddy you're the best daddy in this world can I have some money to go out with my friends What is that? That's manipulation. Now, when we see the scriptures, for example, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 22 and 23, uh, Jesus had something real, uh, really strange happen to him. Because he, he was asking his disciples, who did the people say that he was? And so the disciples start 
telling him that many say that he's Elijah, that others say that he's John the Baptist, others say that he's another one of the prophets. And then Jesus comes and says, but listen, I've walked with you for almost three years. Now, who do you say that I am? After three years of walking with you, I want to know well, who do you say that I am? And so P Peter the blabbermouth Do you know who that is? He broke out and, and said, you are Jesus, the son of the living God. And what did Jesus tell them? Peter, flesh and blood did never reveal that, but my father that is in heaven. Because only the revelation of the father lets you understand that Jesus is God himself. Only the revelation of, Jesus, of, of, of the Father makes us understand who Jesus is. What happened no more than 30 minutes later? Because Jesus, Jesus had an opening at that moment where he said, you know, this is the right time for me to be able to begin telling them about those things that are going to happen, what's going to happen to me, that I'm going to have to go to the cross, that I'm going to have to die, that I'm going to have to leave them alone. And Peter broke out. And he sat him aside. Can you imagine that? The disciple setting aside the teacher to correct him. How many parents have been corrected by their kids? I, my, my adult kids once in a while try to correct me. What a docity. What did Peter use? I, I want you to notice that he used spiritual words, words that seemed spiritual, but they were really not. Because he said, God forbid, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And what happened then? Jesus turns around and says, get thee behind me, Satan. Who was speaking through Peter's tongue? I want you to notice that 30 minutes earlier, God spoke through his tongue. 30 minutes later, Satan spoke through his tongue. The greatest revelation of who Jesus was came through Peter's mouth. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Wow, what an incredible revelation. But then 30 minutes later, Pride got into his heart. He says, well, <clears throat> I've got the revelation. I'm the, the one that has the revelation here. And with the pride comes in what? The opening for Satan to begin to work through his life. And what happened was that Jesus realized that he was trying to what? Manipulate him with those words. The intent of, of hell itself. God, Satan did not use Pharisees nor scribes. He did not use the common people. He used his disciple to attack him and to tempt him this time. Because he wanted him to have pity on himself. How are you going to go to the cross? Why? Why would you go to the cross? Self-pity. It's a form of manipulation that happened at that time. Let's look at the third thing here. In James chapter, chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, it says, It set on fire the course of life, 
It set on fire the course of life. Could you consider this today for just a moment? How we have misdirected or we've changed direction of our life through one word. Our whole life had one point in time that it changed direction. And who had the power to change that direction in our life? The reality was our tongue. Because sometimes we will say things out of, out of reaction. We will say things out of just pure anger at that moment. We will say things that we will never be able to get back. Imagine you spend a long time praying, Lord, Lord, I need a job that I can really, that will provide, that will, will supply every need, Lord. I need a job that will be flexible so that I can serve you. And the Lord gives you this job, but one day you get angry and you go up to your boss and says, I quit. The, the thing that the Lord gave you, with one word, you change direction. You took it into a different place. How many people have left church out of situations like that too? I hope, I hope that a new life you have the, you recognize that you've been ordained of God for this place. That you will find that this is the perfect will for your life. That you will not be going back and forth in your thought mentality. It doesn't mean that God will not take some of you somewhere else, but that you will find yourself saying, I will be here until. I, until I'm clear with what God wants me to do. How many people have left just out of one word? <clears throat> or my wife and I, for example, I, I shared with you that my wife came from a very dysfunctional home where uh, my mother-in-law, we lost count of how many times she divorced. And so we made a, a, a covenant between her and I when we got married. We will never use the big D in our, in our conversation. And we found ourselves several, several years later, we, we, we found ourselves escalating our conflicts. Where, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, that type of conversation. And so we made another covenant between the two of us that we would never escalate. That if, if when we felt like with the desire to escalate, we were going to bite our tongues. We would stop the process. We would take two steps back. Because how many times do we get into a situation that we can never come out of with one word? Like divorce or the, the issue, I hate you. I don't like you. Or how many of you have had that problem? I've had it where I say, I give up. I can't do this anymore. And we realize, we don't realize God has preordained us for that one situation. And because God has preordained us for that, the enemy has come against us to try to hinder that destiny, hinder that purpose. And out of uh, a desperation or out of impatience in our lives, we use the word, I hate, I, I, I give up. And what happens? Something that God has destined us to, to achieve, we take a different direction. Out of one word. 
Amen? And we need to realize that, that our words need to be seasoned, need to be balanced, need to be weight, weighted down with the consequences of it. I, I wrote a book that is in Spanish that is not in English. It's called The Power of Reaction. How sometimes out of our reaction, we're the cause of the problem now. I face several issues in, in, in ministry where, where X person would, would do something and the other person would do something else, would react to it, and now the person that reacted is the problem. Not the person that, that did the problem, the person that reacted now is the problem. And, and, and in reality, how many times do we react with our words? And we're digging a bigger hole that we can never get out of. And so the scriptures talk to us about issues of, of our tongue. And I'll, I'm going to rapidly go through a couple that are, that are important, but they're, they're not the objective of today's message. The first one is we use our words to be able to con or to mislead others. We call those lies. Now, in, in the American culture, uh, we're, we're so polite. There's no one more polite in this world than Americans. We're, we're trying to always be politically correct. And so now we don't call them lies. We call them untruths. Whatever you would call them, the same thing as that. A monkey's a monkey and a horse is a horse. No matter how you paint it. But I've realized something very important about, about lies. Is that even things that might seem correct are not necessarily the truth. See, in our relationships, in our, in our walking, when you abstain from telling the truth, really it's a form of lying. When you're asked a question you, and you avoid the question so you will not answer it, that's a form of a lie. Because truth is truth. And, and, and you know the mathematics of truth. Because truth has to be 100% or it's not truth at all. 99% of truth is not truth. Do, 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 do you get the sense of what I'm saying? The second thing here is, is uh, murmuring. Murmuring was really the, the sin of Israel. If you remember the 40 years that Moses led Israel through the desert, what was the major sin that Israel had? Complaining, murmuring, criticizing, insatisfaction that was manifested through their tongue. And I'm telling you, if I had to be Moses, I don't know, I would have just said, Lord, go ahead and take them with you. <laughs> and if you don't take them, I'll send them. <laughs> Moses had several opportunities. There was one opportunity where the Lord came to Moses and said, Moses, I'm ready to get rid of the people and start with you a new generation. And Moses defended Israel. But the real problem Israel had was murmuring. 
And it started just a few weeks after they left because Moses' sister, Miriam, that was her problem too. She was unsatisfied. She was not happy with what was happening. The third thing, flatter. You have your notes there, Psalms 5.9. Tells us that there is nothing reliable in what they say. Their inward parts is destruction itself. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Now, let me ask you, what is flatter? Let's, let's put it, let's call it what it is. What is flatter? It's a form of manipulation. Because you're telling a person what they want to hear. You're trying to get something out of somebody else. And it becomes a form of manipulation. The fourth thing is, is that itself. It's manipulation. Psalms 143, it says, They sharpen their tongues as a serpent, and poison as a viper is under their lips. Manipulation. And in a certain way, uh, I, I hope I will be able to get to it in the, the second service today, that this type of, of, of words are really a contrary to what God has installed for us. Because it's really contrary to even authority. Because it's a demonic way of conversation. It's a demonic way of communication. It's a way that, that the enemy has tried to, to install a system within our lives. How many of you like salesmen that manipulate you? It's horrible. But how many times that is a part of our life? The way we treat other people, the way we even treat our mate. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to control. We're trying to come out on top. We're trying to, to have the upper hand through our tongue and through our words. Now, let me focus for a few moments on Psalms 10.7. And let me read it. It says, his mouth is full of curses in deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is mischief and wickedness. One of the things that we can assert that Jesus taught us, that the scriptures have uh, reiterated to our lives is this, and this is it. Out of our mouth, there cannot be two types of systems. For example, out of our tongue, we cannot have, it cannot be a fountain of, 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 of sweet waters and a fountain of bitter waters. It's either sweet or it's either bitter. Out of our mouth cannot flow blessing and curses. It cannot. And the reality is that the authority that God has given us as sons and daughters of the Lord is that we have been called, we have been administered, we have been told that our calling is to be a blessing. That's why there's a radical statement. It says, bless and not curse. We have not been called to curse. We have been called to what? Bless. And see, when we analyze what blessing is all about and we analyze how man, uh, the blessing is manifested, sometimes we, we try to relate it to the fact 
that a blessing is really related to somebody that is worth, worth it. But the Bible clearly says that we need to bless those that don't deserve it. We need to bless those that cannot give us anything back. Because in our Christian way, when we are able to receive back something, then there's no value in what we're giving. The value is in the fact that we will never get back what we're putting into it. That's the reality of the blessing. But yet when we curse, and, and, and I mean, you cannot, in this culture, you cannot turn a TV program on without every second word be a what? A curse. And we're not talking about the four-letter words. We're talking also about the fact that we are declaring in people's lives what really God never declared them to be. And let me ask you something. Let me ask you to consider this. Could our curses be a form of Christian witchcraft? Could there be Christian witchcraft? Because when a Christian curses, they're going contrary to what God has established. How can I curse? The Lord spoke to Balaam. Remember that prophet that became a witch doctor called Balaam? Back in the book of Numbers. He was one of the most incredible prophets, and I don't have time to talk about it, but he was probably one of the most incredible prophets in the whole Bible. The manifestations that he had as a, as a prophet, no one else has had them in the whole scriptures. But yet he had a problem, and his problem was the love of money and the love of recognition. And so he sold himself to the highest bidder. And when he was taken up to the top of the mountain and told to curse Israel, the Lord told him something very interesting that, I, that is what I want you to realize. He says, you cannot curse what I have blessed. You are not allowed to curse what I have blessed. Consider it for a moment. You cannot curse what I have blessed. So when I curse something that God has blessed, I am walking in what? In witchcraft. I'm not walking in his will. Because we have not been called to curse. We have been called to what? Bless. Our words need to be words of blessing. It needs to be words of, of encouragement. Or words that, that uplift others in our lives. To encourage them. To affirm them in the Lord. Now, what are the results? And, and, and I'm trying to walk a little fast so we can concentrate in, at the end of the thing and really focus on what the Lord is trying to speak to us. Let's go to Psalms 120, verse 3. Psalms 120, verse 3 says, What shall be given to you? And what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? What shall be given and what shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? What is the result? Every seed that we sow, every action in our lives will have a reaction. There's a cause and effect. There's a sowing and a reaping in our lives. And the question is, what are you sowing in your life? Because there is an action. There's a reaction in our lives. 
that is, is, is definitely going to produce something in us. And God is wanting to transform even the way we speak because the Bible tells us, remember, so as a man speaketh, he is. I might not be saying exactly the King James Version because I'm transliterating from Spanish, but so as a man speaketh, so he is. We are what we, what? Speak is not telling us if I come and speak to somebody else, but my words to somebody else in a way defines who I am. Not what the other person is, but who I am. And so in reality, I am building my, per, my what's the right word, profile? The way I am, through my words. Now let's go to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4. It says, a soothing tongue is a tree of life. Wow. A soothing tongue is a tree of life. But a perversion in it, but a perversion in it crushes the spirit. What does it mean there? That if my words are perverted, what will it do? It will crush the spirit. Let, 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 let me put it in this context. As, as we've mentioned, the authority a parent has to bring life or to bring death, to uplift or to destroy. Imagine right now, out of a reaction, out of anger, out of uh, a, a, a feeling of that, that somebody has let us down, what we sometimes do with our children will really determine who they are. Because look at this word. It says, a soothing tongue is what? A tree of life. A tree of life. But the perversion of the words, what does it do? It crushes the spirit. I don't know what, what your feelings are about yourself. How When you look at yourself in the mirror of your own life, are you able to conquer any circumstance? Are you able to overcome any problem? Or are you convincing yourself all the time that you cannot do it? Where does that come from? It doesn't come from the scriptures. Because the scriptures clearly affirm us into life. Because it tells us, I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. I am more than conquerors in him who has loved me. That's what the scriptures affirm me. But when we look at ourselves, many times they're the words that have really determined how we are. They've determined how our, the, the way we look at ourselves are determined by those words. How many of us have been defined by our childhood classroom? At age five in kindergarten or in first grade, we were a little bit more chubbier than the rest of the the class a little bit more shorter. We did things a little bit more. Uh, we were a little bit awkward in the way things were. And we were defined by words. We were defined by those words. And yet we need to realize that in Christ we have the power to destroy. Cut down all the words of imagination that, that have come against what God is trying to do in our lives. Let's look at the second thing, Proverbs 
And if you really want to know the power of the word, I would, I would recommend you reading the book of Proverbs and the book of Ecclesiastes. It is just powerful in these, in these, uh, in these per, uh, points. The one who guards his mouth preserves his life. But the one that opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Consider it. Basically, it's telling us the one that basically preserves his words, that means really gives value to his words, the one that counts his words correctly. Because the Bible tells us that in the many words, now again, I'm transliterating, in the many words, there's always going to be sin. When we speak too much, I don't know if you've ever been in company of somebody that cannot, cannot, cannot be two seconds in silence. That they always have to be talking. And, and, and so the only way for, for them to shut up is for you to talk. But what is it telling us here? It's telling us that the one that preserves his mouth preserves his life. It is life to them. But the one that opens his lips will come to ruin. Because the Lord is telling us that the end of our tongue that is out of control will be destruction. Not just of our lives, but of those that are around us. How many people, how many times have you run into somebody that, that, that does have a problem with, with their tongue and they're by themselves because nobody, nobody wants to be around them? We need to live, permit the Lord to, to, to really come and rule and reign over our lives. And let's look at a third concept that goes in relationship to, the, to, to yesterday's teaching. Proverbs 18.21, a fantastic, fantastic a scripture that gives us a great understanding about this as death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will lead of its fruit now i, I want you to consider looking at this scripture from a different perspective let's start from the end those that love what not the tongue those that love either death or life will eat of what? Of the fruit of it. So if you love life, you will eat of that fruit. If you love death, you'll eat of that fruit. Because your, your heart will determine the way you speak. That's what it's telling us. But it's also telling us the power, the authority, the effect that our tongue has upon our life and upon those that are around us. Because it could produce evil. Let, let's look at Proverbs 25, 15 in, in relationship to yesterday's teaching. Look at the, what it says. By forbearance, a ruler might be persuaded. Look at it. But a soft tongue. And when he uses the word soft tongue, it's a tongue that uses manipulation, words to try to manipulate. Look what it does. It breaks what? The bones. And when he uses that phrase, praise the bones, it's really talking about the fact of how sickness is a result of words. 
How sickness is as a result of our own words. Sickness in the life of others and sickness in our own life. Because you're destroying or you're uplifting or you're building somebody else in our own life. It is, it is imperative for us to realize that health or sickness is in the power of our own words. It's in the power of the way we speak. It's in the power of what we're doing. Because it's produced many times based on our own fears. It's produced based on the way we look and perceive things around us. Now let's go to the next. Proverbs 12, 12, 18. It says, there is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise, they bring what? Health. Health. The tongue of the wise brings what? Health. Now, I, I, I could look at that, this from a perspective that, that the tongue of the wise are, is really a proactive, preventive measure in our own life. There is wise counsel. There is wise guidance. And we're able to prevent things in our own life that, that could have a terrific, dramatic result. But I think that the lips, the tongue of the wise... Also, through the words that is, they're speaking, they can bring healing. They can bring healing. Because they're words that uplift, words that affirm, words that, that heal relationships. Let, let, let me ask you, are we not called to be messengers of peace? Peacemakers? Are we not called to do that? But how, how is it that we can bring peace or we can bring separation in between relationships? Through gossip? Negativity? We're able to, to destroy relationships because we're, we're putting doubt in people's hearts or we're putting affirmation in people's hearts. And let, let, me, let us consider Proverbs 20.20 for a moment. It says, he who curses his father or his mother, his lamp will go out in the time of darkness. Let me read it again because it's, it's not an easy verse to, to understand. It says, he who curses his father and his mother, his lamp will go out in the time of darkness. Let me, let me ask you a question that I would like for you to consider. Does God value the position of a father and a mother in a, in a family? We realize that it's the God-given responsibility in the home. It was assigned by God, that position. And so the Lord defends the parents. No matter if they are right or wrong, it's not, it's not if they're, they're, they're doing everything perfect or they're not doing anything perfect. The, the perspective here is you would not be here without your parents. They were instruments of God. And uh, I would say, besides Pastor Mark, there's no other perfect person here.
all come short, haven't we? We're all are full of, 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 of deficiencies in our own life. We're all trying our best. I don't, I don't know many parents that are ill-intended in their parenting. But yet sometimes we are really roughly judged by others, especially from our kids. Sometimes uh, kids that are still snotty are trying to tell parents how to parent. And we as parents sometimes say, well, just, just wait until you have your own kids. Then we can talk. But what does the scripture tell us? It's telling us that that person that curses, how do you curse a parent? Let me ask you. Ungratefulness is a way? Could it be? Ungratefulness? Yes, I recognize that, that none of our kids asked to be born. Life is a gift. And I should never, ever, ever, ever charge my kids for everything I've done for them because they never asked for it. Life is a gift. And everything that a parent does, it should be a gift. But if it's a gift... It's a gift. And most kids say, I don't like those $20 shoes. I want those $150 shoes. And a gift is a what? Don't look at a gift horse and wear. Okay. We, we know and understand that. Gratefulness is the best way for bless. But ungratefulness is a way of cursing. Or not valuing our parents. Not obeying our parents is another form. Ah, oh, this old man, what does he know? He's always trying to tell me what to do. You know, we are not to judge our parents. And I'm, I'm putting it from this perspective. We are not to judge our parents because unless we walk through their in their shoes. We do not understand what they've faced. We really don't. In, I, I, in, in the American culture, we talk, we talk about it. Uh, we, we mention these daddy and mommy issues. And I don't want to ask you how many of you have daddy and mommy issues because that would be 99.9% .9 of us. I have daddy issues. You've got daddy, daddy or mommy issues. And in the reality, that's life. But in the way for us to break that cycle in our life is where we consciously bless our parents. And what does the Lord tell us? It tells us that if we do not bless, but we curse, that our light is going to be what? Be put out, darkened. I don't know what that would mean. I would not even attempt to define what that would mean if it means death or it means basically we will be stagnated because we're not walking in God's blessing. I don't know what that would mean. But the reality is God is calling us to what? Bless. 
those that have poured themselves in our lives, those that have given to us when we even didn't, didn't what's the right word? Deserve it. Now, let me finish with this. Isaiah 6, 7. It says, And he touched my tongue with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Isaiah, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, he had an epiphany in that moment. What he realized, he says, low of me, that I am a man of what? Unclean lips. Of unclean lips. There is not a paradox in, 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 in what we can perceive there because Isaiah was a prophet. And the word prophet means somebody that speaks the words of somebody else. That's what prophet means. The one that speaks in the place of others. And so for a prophet, it was necessary that his lips be transformed so that he would not contaminate the words that he had to speak in behalf of the Lord. Now let me ask you, are we not prophets of the Lord? Are we are not called to speak God's words? We have been called. We, in our hearts and in our minds, the Lord is placing His words for us to speak to those around us. But yet what we need before the Lord is that realization that our tongues and our lips have to be purified. So that we can be a blessing. That our words will uplift and will give life to those that are around us. And not bring stagnation to us or to others. Not bring limitations on others. Not bring, bring a, a curse upon people. Not bring contamination to those around us. But that our lips will be in such accord to God's word. That we will be able to speak those words that the Lord is placing in our hearts. To speak to others. Why don't we do what God has asked us to do here in Isaiah. Ask the Lord to purify our lips, purify our tongues. One of the in most incredible things about grace is that grace, the word says, covers a multitudes of sins. And even though sometimes we, we will have to face the consequences of our own sins, the grace of God still sustains us and upholds us. To walk forward. Because we might, with, with the issue of the tongue, we might have to, uh, what, what is it called in English, the same? Um, eat some type of pie, I can't remember the. Humble pie, yes. We might have to go and eat a little bit of humble pie and ask forgiveness. But God's going to give us the grace because he has cleansed us. Cleansed our lips, cleansed our tongue. Amen. Why don't we bow our heads for just a moment? And, and, and we're going to ask the Lord, there where we're at, Lord, cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Purify my heart, purify my lips, purify my thoughts. That, Lord, that when I speak, there will be 
power. There will be authority. There will be influence in my words. Father, today we stand before you. Because, Lord, we believe that you have called us to make a difference. And, Lord, we need that our lips, our tongues, our words to be seasoned by you, Lord. We need them to be saved also. That we will be able to speak your words. That we will be able to speak with authority. That we will be able to speak with your heart. The Lord, that our words will be words that will bring healing, that will bring encouragement, that will bring uplifting, that we will be able to be a blessing to others, that will be words of truth. That our yea be yea and our nay be nay. And today, Lord, we ask you that your Holy Spirit will come from that altar and will bring cleansing, cleansing, purity to our lips. Lord, transform us and bring a difference into our hearts, Lord. And today, Lord, we grab a hold of you. For a few moments, why don't you let the Holy Spirit do that working in your life? Right there where you're at. Let Him come and touch you. Let him begin clean, cleaning those areas of your life that need to be cleansed. Your mind, your consciousness. That, that you will be transformed in your intentions. That we will never, ever, ever, ever permit our tongue to be an instrument. To do anything else but the work of God. Father, today we're, we're here before you. Just waiting upon you, Lord, that you will, as you did with Isaiah, that you will come and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, minister to our hearts, minister to our lives. In the name of Jesus, Lord. Amen and amen. So church, again, we, we've received a revelation today that God wants to use to touch our lips, to bring cleansing, to bring healing and wholeness. But as we've been talking all through the weekend, the spiritual and the natural have to flow, which means the things that we receive today, these spiritual revelations that we receive today have got to flow into the natural, into the decisions and the choices that we make. So don't walk out. I, I've never seen that before. I thought that was just, I had never put the timeline together with Peter. Blessing the Lord in one moment and being a tool of Satan in the next. Church, we need God's help. We need God's help each and every day. And I think you see the importance of this, that each and every day we need to, we need to get up and we need to begin to go to the Lord in prayer. We need to begin to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. We need to submit our tongue to Him. Lord God, like Zechariah, and Lord, if I'm going to bring curse, if I'm going to bring doubt, if I'm going to bring unbelief, shut my mouth. When you, when you go out today, 
Go be that blessing that God wants you to be. Go be the voice of God. Go be that prophetic utterance that somebody needs in their life. Amen? Listen, we're going to dismiss this service. We're going we're gonna to give you a little break. The next session starts in about 20 minutes. You are welcome to stay. I want to encourage you to stay. It will all be tied together in this place of spiritual authority. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Don't forget, get yourself signed up. Take the time to go get signed up for a life group. Come on, let's sing this. We prepare our hearts. Give me faith to trust what you say.